Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. I don't want to just skip by and make it a, a separate moment, but even in the spirit that what we have right now ready to receive from the Lord, I want to encourage you to, to grab your Bibles and open it up today. If you have your Bible, it's on your phone, lift it on your phone. It's important that we read the Word of God. The read of God, it'll transform our lives. Open your Bible up to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I believe that God has a word for you today. How many of you are ready for the Word of God this morning? Let me hear you. Come on. It's not just because I'm looking for a transitional phrase. That's not why I do that. I think that you actually have a part to play in receiving the Word of God. Sometimes the sermons that I preach, it's not that it was anything really profound. It was really that we were just receptive to be able to hear it and receive it. And uh, I'm going to ask if you are able that you would stand to your feet in honor of the Word of God as we read through John chapter 4. We're going to dive in it as a body of Christ together in honor of the Word of God. John chapter 4, this is also known as the, the story of the woman at the well. And it reads as follows. Verse 1 says, Now Jesus... Learn that the Pharisees has heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Leave it here. I want to set up this right here. What we see happening is there's a lot of political arguments going on. And and how big is the following of Jesus? And compared to these people, and, and it's a lot of people kind of getting into the weeds of what it really looks like a move of God really looks like and what it really looks like to, to follow the Lord. And what I find is that Jesus doesn't really get put into a box and, and he kind of actually vacates from that. That we try to systematize it and, well, these more disciples here and Jesus is baptizing more here. And rather than just following him, can I tell you, Jesus is most interested in your life about you following him than you following him a certain way. I feel God on that today, that it's more about you following him than following him a certain way. Well, this is how those people worship. This is how they read the Bible. This is the time they pray. It's more about you just getting in the middle of it and following Jesus. Now, I think it's important that we learn from people and we follow them as they follow Christ. But the more important thing is that you actually have a heart to follow Christ. So we'll go to the next, go to the next verse. It says that, now he had to go through Samaria on the way. He was going to Galilee, remember? He had to go. He didn't have to go. Tradition was to go around Samaria. But get this today. He had to go because there was something that he had to confront. There was a belief in Samaria, about Samaria, that people had about Samaria, and that the Samaritans had in themselves, that Jesus had to go to confront. What areas in our life are we walking around and Jesus is saying, no, I have to go too. What are those things that we've been carrying, those things that we've been avoiding? And Jesus is saying, no, I'm here. I have to confront that. That belief, that thought pattern, that disappointment, that dysfunction, that hurt, habit, or hang-up, I got to confront that. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sakar, 
near the field that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Jesus, going into a place that many people avoided, made him tired. And there's been things in your life that you've been avoiding today. But the Holy Spirit is here to bring to the surface because they've been making you tired. But I need you to know that as we dive into this today, if you're writing down the message, the title of today's message today, that you have permission to feel tired. It's okay. And you have permission to feel tired. When the world says you need to be strong, husband, father, if you're tired, stop beating yourself up about it. Jesus was tired. But where we go from there will determine if we have fruitfulness or if we have to revisit it later. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you would speak to us today. Help me to get out of the way. God, help me to deliver this word to your people just like you shared it with me. God, that it would not be a man's opinion, God, or a certain uh, dogma, or this is what it looks like to follow you. Help me to point people to you, God, to get out of the way and to lead your people into your presence, Father God. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word today. And right now, church, if you're hungry for the word of God, I just want you to open up your hands and say these words after me. Say these words. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Would you all put your hands together for the word of God this morning? Come on. Come on. We have some amazing, amazing ninjas bringing out some props today. I get a, I get a play around on the stage. Someone said it to me earlier this morning. He said, Oh, you got the cowboy mic on. That must mean that you're going to be using some props. I said, well, you got to come to church and find out, right? So I'm excited to be able to share the word with you today. The reason why I'm excited is because I believe that this word has the potential to transform your life. I absolutely believe that it does. Now, we can choose to engage in the word. We can choose to engage that. Remember, it's not just me uh, speaking something. I'm not the well. I'm not the one that refreshes your soul. Jesus is the one that refreshes your soul. What I'm here to do is just to point you to Jesus. How many of you believe that Jesus is the one that refreshes your soul? Can I get an amen? Amen. He is the one that can refresh your soul. Now, God is spirit. God is spirit, but he works and chooses to work through the natural and so he's looking for vessels. He's looking for vessels to be able to refresh his people with. So when we get refreshed, we're also called to refresh one another. And so I come into today, I come in today with this word that, that although we can look good on the outside and, and we can have a great appearance on the outside, uh, how many know that there's a difference between being busy and being tired? That you can look good. Hey, I'm busy, but I'm tired. And I've heard this a lot especially since COVID, but actually before COVID, there was this, this thing that started to invade people's lives, and this word was called um, uh, lethargy, a level of also languishing, that feeling like I just wasn't happy with where I was at, unmotivated. Uh, I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I'm just going through the motions. And I'm here today to really confront something along the ideas of going through the motions. 
Have you ever felt like you were going through the motions in life? Let me see a show of hands. Like in, in, in Christianity, sometimes we refer to this going through the motions as a spiritual dryness that we have. That I was once on fire for God, but now I'm just kind of dry. I'm just kind of complacent. That Can I tell you that these things in our life will happen? What you do will determine how long you stay in it. Yes, to an extent. But I want to shift your focus from getting out of the dry season to knowing who is with you in the middle of it. And so this is what we do as Christians is we approach all these dry seasons in our life and we say that this is how you get out of it. And we'll give you five steps to success of, of spiritual alertness and revival in your heart and your spirit. And, and some people will approach Christianity from the idea of, hey, this is what time you're supposed to pray. This is how long you're supposed to read the Bible. This is how engaged you're supposed to be at church. And they turn a relationship with our one true father into something that is systematic, dogmatic, and frankly cold. And so this is how I equate our relationship to God with. It's just like this. Golf. Our relationship with God is like golf. I love golf. How many golfers do I have in here? Let me see you there. Hey, come on. Golf, you don't want to learn how to play golf. Because if you learn how to play golf, all you'll ever want to do is play golf. Right? So our relationship with God is a lot like golf. And this is why. I started playing when I was maybe nine. I played baseball, but my dad bought me a pair of clubs, and I love this advice that he gave me. He said, son, you can play baseball for a short time, but golf, you can play for a lifetime. So you best start now. And so I've learned, like, so I've been playing golf, and when I turned like 14 or 15, I got an iPod Touch, and I downloaded all these videos on how to swing a club and, and, and really how to have a proper swing when I golf. And I took in all this information, and then I really started to enjoy the game. I learned how to approach the ball. I learned how to give it a, a, a good hit. This is a this is the 56-degree wedge right here. I learned you kind of line that up a little center, hands in front just a little bit, bend the knees a little bit, you know, and then you just swing back. And I'm not going to swing that way. You know? <laughs> I go hit everyone, all right? And you learn, like, don't tense up, just kind of smooth, and you just kind of... Just kind of swing like that. That's my best swing all year. <laughs> but I started to play a little bit more, and, and I found that the game ended up not becoming a game, and it more became like a competition against myself, right? Like it was, uh, it was all these different sayings that were coming in, like, you know, uh, be the ball. Be the ball. Be the ball. I might try to hit it this way. If I, if I hit you in the eyes, I'm sorry, church has insurance. <laughs> but I started picking up all these things and I found out that as I started golfing with people they also had their opinions on how I was supposed to hit the ball and they all started telling me and every time if I hit I hit, could hit it hit well all day and then I have one bad shot and the person playing with me is like you know I think I know what you're doing wrong and they had all these opinions on how I was supposed to swing and oh so I'm like uh, need to tilt forward just a little bit. Yeah, I know that person that gives unsolicited advice, right? Like, I know how to do it. Bro, you shanked one just last round, right? It's like, okay, so you need to put your finger, your hands forward a little bit more and bend your knees a little bit. So, so now what am I doing? I'm not playing the game. I'm in my head. 
And I'm thinking, what does playing the game actually look like? Right? And say, oh, bro, you know what their problem is? You don't got a glove, so you got you to gotta get a glove, man. Oh, yeah. I need a, I need a glove. Oh, and you can't buy one of those Walmart. You got to get name brand Callaway. Callaway brand. So now you can properly hit the ball. And then if, if you go up and you shank it, oh, oh, you know what the problem is, bro? You don't got a hat. You got to wear the golf hat. You got to get yourself, you know, because look good, play good, right? Look good, play good, right? So now you look the part. And since you look the part, you're going to play the part. And I found out that I was still shanking them. I started getting in my head and, okay, why can't I hit the ball properly? And what I found was every single person that was telling me to hit it differently, the ball had a different hit to it. And so what I found is every single one of these balls flew a different direction. Does anyone want one? Some of them went like that. Sorry, Kylie. <laughs> okay. Every single one of these balls is a different approach to life. Because everyone has their own opinion on, hey, this is how you're supposed to hit a ball. Everyone has their own opinion on also pursuing God. Hey, if you really loved God, you would pray at four in the morning. You would read the Bible this much. So now it's like, okay, I got four kids. My husband works. They were up all night. But I must not love God because I didn't get up at four in the morning. Right? And then some of these things, they have different opinions. They, they, they actually look different because they were said by different people in our lives. So they actually stick out more. Like, man, if you were a good dad, you'd pray with your kids. And so my whole life, I've been thinking, that's what a good dad is. And, and so I've been, I've been trying to hit the ball right, quote unquote. But now I have all these opinions on really what it, it looks like. And so this is how it is for our lives. This is how it is for our relationship with God that everyone has their approach on what it looks like to follow God. And what we find is that we, as we add more things, we start to get weighed down by things that don't even really matter. Now, they matter, but what matters more is being missed. Can I tell you, your relationship with God is more than a system that you follow. It's more than a song that you sing. It's more than a thing that you do, right? It's a person that you walk with. And what I found is that as we start to put more and more things in my life, I start to get tired of all the advice, right? And, and I'm like, bro, I just, I, I just want to hit the ball. I just want to hit that one fat. Almost broke that. <laughs> I just want to follow God. Like, and so th there's, there, there are some things that stick out more. Something's huge, right? And there's some hurts that we have and some church hurts that, that sit in here. And what we do sometimes, we leave them in there. And okay, well, I'm just going to kind of build my relationship on God on top of that and beyond that. And, and all that stuff is okay. Like, know that it's okay, but it's not okay. Like, God sees these different approaches that we have and the different things that are weighing us down. And what you need to know about God is that he won't ever just let it sit. That he'll have to go through Samaria to confront some of those things in our lives. And that's what we see Jesus doing in, in the book of John. Now, the book of John is known as a, a 
some, John is a brilliant writer. It's very poetic. If you like language or if you like book reading or book writing, John is a masterpiece because he's telling a story from beginning to end. This is what he does. He says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And well, that's also symbolic of the beginning of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And John is describing in the beginning was Jesus. Right, like Jesus was there in the beginning and he describes all these different things of perfection and how Jesus works and, and how God works. And he describes these different sayings that Jesus used and they're known as the I am statements that Jesus used throughout the book of John. He says this, that I am the light of the world. He said, I am the bread of life. I am the gate. I am the good shepherd. I am the way. I am the true vine. I am the resurrection. And so we find Jesus describing himself in the book of John through these I am statements. But then we see him come across something unique. We see him say this in passage in the passage of John chapter 4. He gets to Samaria, and the Bible says that he was tired. He was weary from his journey. Can I tell you that here we see Jesus, perfection in all, man of God, and he is described as being tired. He's tired. He went through Samaria, and I believe that is symbolic of him actually saying there is something that needs to be addressed here, and I'm going to sit here until it gets changed. So he sits down at a well. But I thought Jesus didn't get tired, right? He's God, right? Isaiah 40 Last week, I talked a little bit about this, and I talked about, what are you waiting for? How many of y'all enjoyed last week's message? And I hope that it blessed you. It's like sometimes we're sitting there crying out to God, and God is saying, what are you waiting for? Why are you crying out to me? And there are some times in life where we have to take a step, but I believe that God doesn't necessarily live in extremes, but he's kind of in the middle. And there are times when God will wait on you to move, but there's also times where you need to wait on the Lord. And I talked about that little passage about wait on the Lord and he'll renew your strength. Uh, I believe that God doesn't always uh, want you to wait on him for direction, but he does always want you to wait on him for strength, right? Sometimes you've got to step out knowing that God is behind you and you're living in big faith. But other times, if you're lacking strength or you're tired, the answer is to wait on him. It's to seek him. Because when you seek him, you will find him. And so in this passage, Isaiah chapter 40, it says, Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. Excuse me! Found a problem with the text. He will not grow tired or weary. But John 4 says, Jesus was tired. Jesus, perfection, got tired. Full encompassing God got tired. And I tell you, if God got tired, you have permission to feel tired. It's okay to feel tired. It's okay to feel worn out. It's okay to feel weary. Why did Jesus feel tired if he cannot grow tired? Well, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 that he is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, to empathize with it, right? Like he's able to. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. John 1.14 talks about how the word became flesh 
So he knows what it is like to be human. So he's able to relate. So why are you crucifying yourself for something he died for? So we see that he grew tired and weary. And we'll throw that verse back up there in Isaiah chapter 40. It says, in his understanding, no one can fathom. We'll go to the next verse. He gives strength to the weary. And increases the power of the weak. So he gives the strength. Sometimes we try to just tough it through and it's not what we're called. We're called to wait on the Lord. Even you grow tired and weary. Young men stumble and fall. I could give this golf club to Winston and he would play all day. The Bible says even he's going to get tired of it. Trying to perfect his swing. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They'll soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. We see Jesus getting tired. If you're looking from the outside, you would question if he's even God. I tell you, we've got to be very careful looking from the outside at people's lives. Like even as I'm up here speaking, you know, there's people walking around, there's people yawning and things like that. And I could easily jump to the conclusion, this person's leaving or this person's just, what, what are they doing? They're just sitting down. Like, why are they tired? But I don't know that maybe they just came from the night shift and they made it a point to be in church this morning, right? Like, it's easy for us to judge from the outside, but Amen. that's why it's important that as a, a, a follower of Christ that you actually sit down with people and get to know them and not just stand from the far and say, if that person really loved God, well, maybe they're actually tired from a journey. Well, if I really love God, then what if there's something in your life that you've been going around and it's actually weighing you down? And so rather than just toughening it through, really taking this time to ask your heart, how am I doing? Are you tired? Are you weary? It says, wait on the Lord. So we see these seven statements that John uses for I am. Well, Jesus also did uh, uh, seven signs and wonders in the book of John. He, he turned water into wine. He healed the nobleman's son. He, he healed the man at the pool. He fed 5,000. He walked on the water, uh, healing a man born blind, and he resurrected Lazarus. That's seven amazing feats that Jesus did. Jesus was a man full of faith. Jesus was the Son of God. Jesus had faith. Jesus was tired. Faith doesn't mean that you won't always feel fatigued. Can I tell you you have permission to feel tired? Feelings are good indicators, but they're not drivers. I love how my wife puts it. Feeling is really just an indicator of what's going on in the heart. It's really just what's going on. So we tell people to suppress them and to move on from them and to not process them. But if you're feeling happy, it's really just a response of what's going on in your soul. And if you're feeling sad, it's a response of what's going on in your soul. And so what we do is we try to just ignore them and push them aside. But really, feelings are indicators. My wife said it this way. Feelings are a lot like children in the car. You can't be led by your feelings. You can't let them drive the car. But you can't throw them out the window either. Right? You can't do that. 
what are, write this down today, feelings are indicators. It's an indicator of something bigger that's going on. It's okay to feel tired. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel all these different things. It's okay to feel all these things that may be weighing you down. Jesus felt them. So we see Jesus, what he does is he sits down by a well. And this woman comes to the well at noon. She comes to the well to get water. And that time, you did not go to the well at noon. You would go early in the morning or late at night. Why? Because it was hot. But she went there because there were some things that she was avoiding. And we find out the very thing that she was avoiding, Jesus was actually trying to heal. So we see her show up to this well, and Jesus says, hey, could you give me a drink? And she says, you've got nothing to draw with. And he says these phrases that I want you to take home today, is that if you knew who it was who was asking you for a drink, he would give you living water. She basically goes on and asks about this living water, and uh, she wants to know more about it. And Jesus says, well, go and get your husband, and I'll tell you more about it. Because this is what happens is we want to know more about God. Sometimes God wants us to actually be able to confront the things in our lives. And so things will come to the surface, and we have the choice whether to suppress them or to give them over to the Lord. The Bible says to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. So he says, go get your husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've actually had five. And the man you're with right now is not your husband. Jesus is not speaking to the actions of the woman at that moment. He is speaking to her desire to find fulfillment. He was not confronting the issue. He was trying to heal the heart. He was trying to say, you've been running to all these different wells. Girl, you've been thirsty. Yeah. Good treatment. Come on, pastor. He says, you've been thirsty. Have you been thirsty? Take that however you want to take it. Have you been following Jesus and still feeling dry? There's a well, the Bible says, there's a stream that makes glad the children of God. And you have the choice to tap into that on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, a yearly basis. Sometimes I think the key is tapping into it not to alleviate the feeling of feeling far from God. All that is is an indicator but can I always trust my feelings? Because I know what I feel, but I also have this conflict of what he said. Because his word says he will never leave me, he'll never forsake me. But sometimes I feel like he has. And so we see this woman, Jesus is confronting the, really the sole issue in the fact that she is thirsty. She's been looking for fulfillment, purpose in all the wrong places. 
He says, go get your husband. I, well, I don't have a husband. You're right. When you say you don't have a husband, you've had five husbands, and the man you're with right now is not your husband. That's six men. In Jesus' name right now, that number six is the number of man. That's our perfection and what we can do on our own. Seven's the number of God. That's perfection. That's saying, hey, here's fulfillment. And Jesus comes to her. He says, you've had five husbands. You've had six men. But this one that you're meeting right now is the seventh. And this is the one that will give you living water. So we see Jesus stepping in the middle. And I can't help but think how John begins the book of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. And how it's poetic of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the stages of creation, the Bible says six days he worked. And on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. And he looks at this woman and says, this is the seventh. It's okay to feel tired. You have permission to get tired. And I'm here as the seventh person to give you rest. Have you been tired? I'm here to tell you today that Jesus has come and he wants to give you rest. So what we try to do is we have all these different opinions on what it looks like to find rest. And we start looking at it from fulfillment and health from unhealthy places. And so this is what you'll do is you'll start to get tired. Be careful what you do when you're tired. Don't just be led by your emotions. You'll do stupid stuff. Be aware of when you feel tired, when you're thirsty, quote unquote. But don't search for other things to fill you that will end up making you more hungry. Don't look for them. Because you'll get tired and what you'll do is you'll sit down and you'll binge watch Netflix. What you'll find is that will fill you short term. But there's a soul that needs the water from the living God. And really all you ever see in life, that's why I'm so, I don't call out a lot of pet sins because pet sins are really just indicators of a deeper longing, of a deeper unfulfillment. So I could go after drugs and, and alcohol and sex before marriage and all these different things, but really all it is is just an indicator of a wound that was in our hearts from the moment we were born, we were born Amen. into sin. The Bible says that Jesus came to repair that, to reunite us with the Father. And I'm here not to be the well, but to point you to the well. And those little things that we may see on the surface, or maybe they're deep down in there, and you, you haven't learned how to forget about them. Jesus wants to bring those to the surface. Can I tell you that's what happens when we get in the presence of God? When you've been worshiping God or praying or seeking His face, and the Bible says he, the Holy Spirit came to convict the world of sin, which means us. So when there's things in our lives that just aren't right, the Holy Spirit brings those to the surface, and that's okay, right? Like, the best thing I want to be able to do is point you to God, right? Now, if I need to talk to you about something that may seem off, and you're like, that's what a brother does, that's what a sister does, Right? But more so, I'm going to point you to the one that does the best. Because I'll sometimes just point to the things that I see. But there's some things beneath that are actually causing the things that I see. And they're stacking on top of one another. And so what I want to be able to do today is I want to point you to the one, the well, that can bring healing. 
Jesus says this in the book of Matthew. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I believe that there's rest for you today. Jesus turns to this woman and says, I have a well of living water. And when I give it to you, you thirst no more. Are you tired? Are you burdened? It's okay. Jesus felt that. But he did not avoid Samaria. He had to go to it because we've been avoiding it. That's what the Jewish people were doing. They were walking around Samaria, walking some six miles when they only had to walk three. That's what we've been doing with some of the things that have been hiding in our lives. We've been avoiding them. And they've been making us tired. Jesus stepped into that, being tired from his journey because he was experiencing what we experience every day. Saying, I'm coming to give you rest. You believe that the Holy Spirit wants to give you rest today? So this is what he does. Is he actually brings out some water. And I got, I got a friend here helping bring out some, some water here this morning. Maybe. Grant. <laughs> so maybe they'll bring out some water here shortly. But this is what I want you to take home today is that as we get into the presence of Jesus, God ministers to our hearts. He ministers to our souls. And this is what I want from you today. Not that you would look to a pastor that would minister to your soul, although that happens. A friend that ministers to your soul, although that happens. Or a song that ministers to you, that happens. But more importantly, I want you to let the Holy Spirit minister to you. And as things start to come to the surface, I'll tell you that that's where you actually start to find healing. So I want you to stand to your feet as we close this morning. Sometimes the water takes a little while to get there. And so, but this is what happens with our lives, right? Is you get a message like this. You try to get into the water and receive the, really the, the water of God. So you try reading your Bible, right? And, and nothing changes. I'm going to try to go to church. And nothing changes. Well, I tried that, right? Like, my friend told me, bro, you need to come check out this church, man. I did. Nothing changed. I keep on coming back. Jesus brings healing to this woman, to her soul. The Bible says that he went back, he stayed there two days in Samaria, and there's a, basically a, a turning of the city towards the things of God, right? And so what I want to encourage you with, I've been doing this for about, I've been following God for a little over 15 years. And what I found is that if you've been following him for 50 years or five days, Dry seasons are inevitable. They're not an indication of you being far from God. They're actually more of an indicator of Him drawing you close to Him. And I've heard sayings this, you know, if you feel far from God, He's not the one that left, which is true. But He's also calling you deeper and calling you closer. 
in that hunger, that emptiness that you feel, steered in the right direction is actually used as a motivator. So don't get discouraged when you feel far from him. Because remember, feelings are just indicators, not always reality. Right, so this is what we do is we start to follow him a little bit more and we start getting into the word and prayer and worship and some of these things start to come to the surface. Some of these things that have been weighing us down. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. He brings things to the surface. And tell you what, as a church, there's that big one that that person put on you when you were eight, right? Oh, but it just wants to stay there. And so these things start to come to our attention. And this is what we do as church. And we point at that and be like, ah, that's ugly. I thought you followed Jesus. I'm on a journey, right? Or we look at it the other way and we're just fine with it being halfway full. I know I follow God and I got enough, right? Close to him. I've been following him for 15 years. But there's still things that he wants to work on. So what? Can I tell you, as a follower of Christ, you never get out of the current. You never get out. The moment you get out, that water will eventually start to evaporate. The swamp, right? So you just got to keep on coming back. So we have more water to kind of indicate this. What happens when we choose to keep following Jesus, right? So that thing that's been holding you back, the trauma, God, the Holy Spirit wants to heal that, right? But it's got to come to the surface. I didn't like going to church because things started, that's the Holy Spirit. That pastor didn't mention it, but the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, I want to heal that. So that thing that happened, I'm trying to heal that. I know what happened. It was bad. It was evil. It was wrong. And I see that. I'm trying to heal it. So I just got to get into his presence just a little bit more. And you'll find these things will keep coming to the surface. But he wants you to overflow. But now these things, what are they? They're just surface things, huh? We can work with those. Right? We can work with that. We can work with that. And my theology is, I believe that God wants us to be sanctified and purified and everything. But I also think that there are some things that God uses to keep us grounded. Closer to Him and dependent on Him because then pride comes in and you feel like you don't even need God. Some of y'all have been like, it needs to be fully pure. And that happens when we get to heaven. Right? And I want you to know, these things that are on the surface, God's still working. He's going to keep working. But you got to keep coming. You'll be at that well. So I wrote this down backstage. I didn't say this first service, but I think this is important for you to know. When it comes to your relationship with God, I want you to say this after me. Say these words. Say, God never left me. He did not abandon me. He did not forsake me. And because he did not forsake me, he is close to me. Even when I do not feel him, I know he is near. So I'll say this. I want you to receive it. God never left me. 
Continue to say it. I just want to hear something here. God never left you. He didn't abandon you. He didn't forsake you. And because he didn't forsake you, he is close to you. Even when you don't feel him, I need you to know that he is near. You've got to come to the well. We're going to create an opportunity. If you want to come to the well, this altar is open at the front. You can come and you can receive. You can stay in your seat however you want to do. But we're going to go back into worship. And I want you to come up to him. If you're weary or heavy laden or burdened, and he will give you rest. Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.